Uh, my name's Nate. Good morning. I'm one of the pastors here. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here with us. If you're watching online, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about uh, motivations, what motivates us and moves us. And there's a lot of things that motivate us and move us to do what we do. Uh, we are motivated by different things. We are pushed forward by different things. When I was in high school, one of my favorite jobs in high school was uh, delivering pizza. Anyone deliver pizza when they were in college or high school? Any pizza delivery? I'm all alone. Okay, I'm all alone in this one. Uh, it was one of my favorite jobs, you know, uh, loading up five or six different orders into the back of the car and uh, checking out the map on the wall of Colorado Springs, where I lived at the time. They didn't have Google Maps, so you had to chart your, your course. And then driving around for an hour and a half, listening to music, dropping off pizza to people who were always happy to see me as I was bringing them something delicious. Um, and, and I worked that for a couple years in high school. And when I began working, I was saving up for something. I had a, something motivating me. I wanted to buy a Sony five-disc CD changer. And uh, I don't know if you remember these little devices. I got a picture of one here uh, that I found online. This is exactly the exact model that I was looking for, that I was saving up for. And uh, I found this picture on, an eBay, on eBay, and it was under the vintage area, um, <laughs> which I resent with my full heart. Uh, that's making me feel something. So uh, anyway, I saved up uh, for uh, a while and finally was able to purchase this. I brought it home and I plugged it into my stereo with the tower speakers and it was awesome. You could put in five of your favorite CDs and put it on shuffle play. You didn't know what song was coming next, but you knew it would be a song you liked. It was like my own personal radio station. And uh, this thing took me through high school into college, into my early mar married years. And, uh, and then a guy named Steve Jobs created something called an iPod, and everything changed, and I didn't need it anymore. But, but that was what was motivating me when I was in high school, to get this CD changer. It was, for me, it, represent hap it represented happiness. You know, this was something I wanted. We, we get motivated by things that we want, things that we think will give us something that we're missing. Uh, there are a lot of things that motivate us in life towards these needs, these wants, these desires and emotions that we have. Uh, you woke up this morning and you rolled out of bed, and you put some clothes on, and you came here to church, or you clicked that link on the website to join us online, and, and you did that because you were being motivated by something to draw you here, to push you here, to bring you to this time together, the Spirit of God doing something in your life that we could be together this morning. Um, Jesus is often talking in Scripture about our motivations, and he talks about our hearts and the kinds of things we do because of what motivates us in our interior lives, the things we do, the things we don't do because of these motivations. Jesus once said that um, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up inside of him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up inside of him. We, we bring things out of our lives that have been stored up inside of us, and that storage work is, is what motivates us. It's the things that push us forward, our hearts that capture good things and, and sometimes capture bad things, our thoughts, our emotions, all of that pushing and pulling us forward in this life. I want to highlight this tension that we have connected to our motivations this morning. We've spent several weeks talking about tension, uh, the tensions we experience in this life. And uh, I've been wearing a rubber band for over a month now as we've gone through this series. Uh, the idea that this tension is a good thing. Rubber bands can't do what they do without tension, without elasticity. And there are tensions in our lives that are actually good, that help us stretch and, and move in deeper ways with our Father God. And so I want to focus this morning on motivations, maybe one of the more important tensions in our lives and, and how God shows up in that. And it starts with our hearts. It starts with what's going on inside of us, in our inner, in our inner lives. 
The Word of God speaks about this tension. I want to put two verses on the screen here. And and as we read these verses, you're going to see that there's tension between them. So the first one is from, uh, from Jeremiah 17. The prophet writes, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Our hearts are deceitful. And then in Psalms, David writes, God will give you the desires of your heart. How does that work out? If our hearts are deceitful, if they can't be trusted, why would God give us the desires of our hearts? There's a tension in that for me. It's an equation that doesn't add up. And it helps us to begin to think about our motivations and the tension we experience in our motivations. Our, our hearts can move us towards good things or can move us towards bad things. Our motivations can draw us close to God, towards connection with him, towards loving our neighbors. And our hearts can be filled with things that are, are deceitful things that are sick and broken. Sometimes we stumble between the light of God's glory and grace and the the dark shadows of our sin and and selfishness. Our hearts can be storehouses of hope and love, and they can also be prison cells of pain and hate. What, What is the way through this struggle? How do we understand our motivations and how do we find clarity in what is moving us forward? One place to start is, is something that you've seen if you ever took a, a psychology 101 class or intro to psych in high school uh, was Maslow's uh, Pyramid of Need. I'm going to put this picture up on the screen that kind of states these needs that Maslow, who is a, count, a, a therapist and a, a professor, he wrote about the things that motivate us. And he said, there are different levels of needs that we have. And I like the guy climbing the mountain of needs here. He's pretty cool. He reminds me of some people that go to church here. So if you see yourself up there. Uh, but he, he said that uh, we're motivated by things. And we start at the bottom of this uh, triangle, our, our basic needs, and they motivate us. And we don't go after the things further up the triangle until our lower needs are met. So it starts with our physical need. We need water and air and food and shelter. And we're motivated to find those things for ourselves and for our circle of family. Until we find them, we're not going to move up. But once we have those things, then we'll move up to safety and belonging, that we are in relationship with other people, that we um, can be ourselves, that there's a place where we know we fit in. I've heard uh, someone say that you can, you can survive about three minutes without air. Uh, you can't survive more than three days without water. You can't survive more than three weeks without food. And you can't survive more than three seconds without love. This idea of connection with others, community with others. We, we need that in our lives. And so once you have those things in place, then you can move into affirmation, looking for the affirmation of those people that you look up to, getting the attaboys, girls, pats on the back by people that you want to be like. That begins to motivate us. And then finally, meaning and purpose becomes a motivation that we're interested in. What's the unique way that God created me? What's the unique uh, uh, addition he's, he's brought me to give to this world? And uh, let me give you a little secret here. It's not about you. Uh, the purpose of your life is about others, that God has placed you here for others. And so we begin to move into that need as we're finding our other needs met. So this is one way to think about what motivates us, what pushes us forward, what motivates us matters. And those verses we looked at that talked about our hearts and the, the motives of our hearts, they're found in a context of this idea of needs, of trust, of, of who we're trusting to provide the needs that we have. So if we go back to that passage in Jeremiah, we begin to see some clarity about the tension between those verses because of what's around those verses. So Jeremiah, when he writes about our deceitful hearts, um, he also says this, the Lord says, those who trust in man are under my curse. They depend on human strength. Their hearts turn away from me, but I will bless any man who trusts in me. I will show my favor to the one who depends on me. So when Jeremiah writes about our deceitful hearts, he's saying, our hearts are deceitful sometimes because we, we look to our own strength. We trust in ourselves. 
in our limited capacity instead of trusting in God for all things. David writes about the same context of trust when he says that God will give us the desires of our hearts. The full passage goes like this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When we delight ourselves in God, when he's the one we trust, then he will give us the desires of our heart. So when I place my security and my identity and my trust in myself, my motives are always going to be a little off-center. They're going to be skewed. But when I place my security, my identity, my trust in God, my, he's going to move in my heart in a way that it will bring me to the life he created me for. Good things. Good things will happen. What, what we're looking for is integrity of heart when it comes to our motivations. We're looking for integrity in our hearts, that what motivates our hearts will match the, the movements of our lives outside of us. As followers of Jesus, we're working towards matching um, our external action of our faith with what's going on inside of our hearts, the things that we want to see happen. And that journey of, of what, matching what's inside with what's outside, there's going to be tension there. There's going to be seasons that push and pull and challenge us. I want to just give you an example from my life, uh, a simple example. I have a habit, a spiritual practice. Uh, every morning when I get up, I go and sit in a green chair in our living room, and I start my day. I get my cup of coffee, and I start my day by reading some scripture and praying. This has been my practice. It doesn't mean it has to be your practice. You have different ways of connecting with God, perhaps, in your everyday. But this has been what I've done for almost 30 years now. I've woken up and sat in this green chair and opened up scripture, read a passage of scripture, and then I grab a journal, and I'll write down some thoughts from that passage. And then I'll usually write down a prayer like what Kathy was talking about. My, my, when I pray, my mind tends to wander so it helps me to write it down. And uh, I do that most mornings. I don't do it every morning, um, but I do it more often than I don't do it. And, and my motivation for that time in the green chair, it, it ebbs and flows a little bit. There's sometimes when I can't wait to get in that green chair and just see what God's going to do that day, to have those moments to start my day with Jesus. I'm excited to sit in the green chair. Then there's other mornings when I, I'm kind of busy, when I see the green chair and I'm like, ah, I guess I should probably... And, I don't necessarily want to do it. I, I get distracted. There's other things I need to do. There's an appointment coming up I've got to get ready for. And sometimes my, my motivation isn't quite as pure as that idea of wanting to sit with God in those moments together. There's been whole seasons. There's been times when I've stepped away from this practice uh, for a couple months even because I feel like my motivations are not what I want them to be. I feel like I'm doing it because I have to, not so much because I want to. And I want my heart to want to have that time with God, but I get concerned that if I'm doing it just because I have to, it becomes almost like a little spiritual to-do list that I'm checking the box on. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm doing it for that reason, does that really honor God? Is that really what he's looking for? Is that really bringing me new life? And that question creates tension for me, creates tension in my life. My desire is that those green chair moments, that I want, I'd want that. I'd do it because I want to do it, not because I should do it. I would hope that my heart would engage with Jesus in those moments because I get to sit with my friend and my Redeemer and be with him as I begin the day. Instead of just like I should, you know, I should read my Bible. I don't, you know, I don't want that to be my motivation. I want my external activity to match my internal motives. But what do you do when they're not matching up? What do you do when you don't feel that way? There's, there's tension there for me. And this dynamic can show up in our prayer practices, how we, how we give our money away, how we come alongside others and serve them, how we love our family and friends. The people closest to our lives can usually pick out when, when we're being motivated by something that's not really helping us, that when our motives are off, they can usually pick that up on us. Now, we might think we're faking them out, but, but we have tells, you know. We might have a really good poker face, 
But our kids, our, our friends, our family members, they, they can tell when our motives are twisted, our motives are not quite as pure as they, we want them to be, when we're not being sincere. And if a, a family member or a friend can tell that about you, guess what? Your father God, who put you together in your mother's womb, who created you, he can certainly see what's going on inside your heart. And you're not going to fool God. That's my promise for you this morning. You're not going to fool him. He's going to see this tension that we have between have to and want to, between the things I should do and the things I get to do, it shows up in one of Paul's letters that he wrote to his friends in the church of, uh, of Rome. So I want to invite you to take a Bible if you've got one with you and open up to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Uh, if you've got your phone, you can open up your Bible app or pick up a physical Bible. Uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And this passage is a bit of a, ton, a tongue twister. So it might be good for you to have it open in front of you to follow along um, as I'm reading it out loud because you, it might be kind of hard to follow if you, don't, if you don't have it in front of you. So again, Matt, uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And we're going to read about 10 verses to verse 25. And, and Paul here is writing to his friends and he's talking about the law of Moses. Uh, the Ten Commandments and the 600 other some laws of the Old Testament that governed the community of faith at that time. And, and Paul is writing about this, this Jewish law and how he wants to live it out, and at the same time, he wants to be free of it. Now, he doesn't want to be under it any longer. So this is Romans 7, verse 15, and just follow along while I read. Here's what Paul writes. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. You see how it's like a tongue twister, right? There's a lot of words in there, a lot of repeated words. Paul is basically saying there's things that I would love, I'm motivated to do certain good things, but when my ex external behavior actually starts to play out, I'm not doing those good things. He says there's things I don't want to do. My heart doesn't want to do certain things outside of myself, but when I get out to those outside things, I start to do those very things I don't want to do. He says, this is a tension for me. My motivations, I want to follow the motivations of my heart, but I find myself doing things outside of that that don't match up. Verse 21, he writes, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There are certain passages that we read in Scripture that that really encouraged me, that really helped me. And this is one of those because Paul gets this challenge that we face. He gets the tension that we have around our motivations. He says, I want to do this, but I don't do it. And what I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. Paul gets it. He understands what it means to struggle to be authentic and, and live externally who we are on the inside. And Paul says, what a wretched man I am. We are wretched people in this tension, in this struggle. There is distress and suffering. We experience hardship around it. It's miserable. We are wretched people. 
That's it for this morning. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next Sunday. Yeah, I'm not going to end it there. That would be a terrible place to end. But, but it's true. We struggle with this. And sometimes we're very aware of it. We, we feel that wretchedness. There's times when uh, actually we do have integrity in our hearts with what's happening outside. And we kind of are in the flow with the Spirit of God. And that feels wonderful. And then there's other times when we're just too busy to even reflect on it. We don't even see the wretchedness because we're just so busy. We're not taking time to reflect and to sit. Where do we find hope in the midst of this wretched reality? How can we bring our motivations in line with the delights of our hearts? I want to read the last part of that Romans 7 again, this time in a a paraphrase of the Bible called the message. And uh, I just want you to hear it in this language. Here's what Paul writes. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me uh, covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? And the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. You hear, as Paul says there, he says, so often we're, we're trying to figure it out ourselves. He says, I've done everything I can do. I'm at the end of my rope. Who's going to help me? And he comes to this conclusion, it's not going to be me. It's going to be one outside of me. And he says, thank God that Jesus came to free us from this wretchedness, to free us from these broken motivations, to bring a new heart and a new life, to bring transformation in our, in our lives. We thank Jesus for that, this push and this pull in our motivations. Either we're being pushed towards or pulled towards. God is always working, and he's either pushing you towards this transformation or he's pulling you towards this new life that he created you for. But God is the one who's going to do the work in us to bring something new. I've been pushed towards God, kind of like the story of, that Jesus told of the, the son who left his family and went off and did whatever he wanted to do, and he wasted all of the resources he had, and, and he found himself at the end of, end of himself. He was in desperation, and he was pushed to go back to his father. He had nothing. He said, well, I should go at least go back home. My, I can work for my dad. At least I can do that. And he was pushed back into his father's arms. There's times when God is pushing us towards this new life he created us for. He'll use uh, fear, he'll use guilt, he'll use hardship and suffering to push us back towards him. Those times when we feel like we're in a dead end, when it feels like there's a fire around us and we're going to burn up or the flood is coming and we're going we're to sink below the flood. And Jesus shows up and he says, I mean, I'm pushing you back towards God, towards your father. Is God using a hardship or a struggle to push you back to him this morning? there's something in your life you want to see change, and you say, well, God's pushing us back to him. I've also been pulled towards God. Those times when the love and passion of others has inspired me to engage with God in a deeper way. The heroes of faith that we read about in the book of Hebrews that, that lived a life of faith, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews writes about them to, to inspire us, to call something out of us, to, to pull us towards the kingdom of God. Paul would write about the, the crowd of witnesses around us and that, that we follow their, their example of faith, that they lived with focus and endurance and purpose. And so we hear the stories of others and that it draws us, it inspires us towards God. I've been inspired by so many of you. I've heard some of your stories and sat with many of you and you've talked about how God answered a prayer or, or moved in your life in a fresh way or brought you to an understanding of who you are as his child. And that inspires me. I want to I see that in my life as well. It moves me forward. Is God using someone's inspirational story to pull you back 
toward him this morning? Is he pushing you? Is he pulling you? Paul talks about how both of these helped him. The hard things in his life that kept him dependent on God. Paul would write about times when financial struggles were difficult and he had to trust in God's faithfulness through other people to provide for him. We know that Paul had broken relationships in his life with Mark and with Barnabas and he had to trust that God was drawing some new things in his life and his understanding of grace and patience. Paul would write about living out his faith and he'd talk about it sometimes feeling like a long distance run. They had to beat his body and, and make it move forward to keep moving towards God, it push, pushing himself back towards God. He would also write about the people that inspired him, that drew his focus and his attention back on the kingdom of God. Paul walked in a, a community of faith of others pursuing new life in Jesus, and that inspired him. So he was inspired by the growth of Timothy's character. Paul was moved by the sacrifice of Priscilla and Aquila. He was encouraged by the steady faith of Apelles. There was times when Paul would write letters to churches and he would talk to the whole church community and he would say, your faith is, I'm so thankful for your faith because it, it pulls me forward. When he wrote to his friends in Thessalonica, here's how he started the letter. He says, as we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was inspired by their work and their deeds done in love, done faithfully, and their hope that didn't seem to run out. He says, your enduring hope encourages me. They were pulling him towards a deeper connection with Jesus, pushing and pulling. This is the tension that moves us towards this new life that God created us for. And as I've said before in this series, I don't want you to let go of that tension. I want to encourage you not to release the tension around these things, but, but restore that tension. Bring it back. Let, let it challenge you. Let it stretch you spiritually. Let it help you uh, grow in dependence on God in the midst of those tensions that he is doing something in you. We experience these, these tensions. We have them. Let's not pretend like we don't have them. Let's acknowledge them and, and move into them. I don't always do what I want to do. We, we sometimes struggle to bring our whole hearts to the things that we know will strengthen our connection with our Father God. I'm motivated to meet my own needs, needs while at the same time trusting that God will meet my needs. That creates tension for me and my motivations. I need to bring those tensions to God. When we release those tensions prematurely, we, we experience, uh, we miss out on a deeper journey that God might have for us. Our faith might feel more shallow. If we grit our teeth and just do what we know we should do without engaging our hearts, well, our relationship with God might become more institutional than intimate. We might begin to miss out on what God has for us. Adam and Eve, when they were walking with God, they, they broke faith with him. They, they ate that forbidden fruit. And the next day, God showed up to take a walk with them. And, and what, was, what happened? Do you guys remember? They ate the fruit, and then the next day, God shows up. And what, what were they doing? Anyone remember? Hiding. Yeah, they were hiding, right? They were hiding. I think about a toddler, like, hiding on the couch behind one of the couch pillows. Like, it's, I see you. It's pretty obvious. You know, you can't hide from God. But they, they were hiding, and God said, why are you hiding? That was their response in the midst of that tension, that brokenness. They, they wanted to hide. And I want to encourage you not to do that. Don't hide. As you have these tensions, as you're honest with yourself, restore that tension. Live into that tension. Invite God into that tension with you and allow it to stretch you in some new ways. When we try to ignore it, we're just going to settle for something less than the life that we were created for. If we force religious activities and practices, later we're going to resent them because we didn't bring our hearts to those times together. 
It'd be better to dwell a bit longer in the tension between have to versus want to in order for God to speak something new over our lives. And, and Jesus is our example for us in this. He, he sets the example. He helps us know there is a way through the tension. The book of Hebrews talks about how Jesus had this tension of have to versus want to. Now, he was 100% human, so he engaged in that tension just like we do. He was also 100% God, which means he didn't sin. He didn't do it in the wrong way. He did it in the right way. He's our example. So in Hebrews 12, we can read these words. The writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that we were talking about that earlier, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And then he says this, which is where we see Jesus in this tension as well. For the joy, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, have to and want to in Jesus' life. He said, I have to do the cross. I will endure the cross. Jesus didn't want to. If you remember that prayer in the Garden of Eden, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, you know, I don't want to do this, but Father, if you have it for me. He says, he engaged with and endured the cross because of something that he wanted, the joy, the life, the, the connection he saw with sons and daughters being reconnected to their creator God. So Jesus engaged with that thing he had to do so that he could have what he wanted, the joy of seeing us in relationship with our Father God. Jesus did it perfectly. He did it completely. You and I, we're going we're gonna to struggle. We're going to shift. We're going to hesitate. We're going to live in the tension and the, the push and the pull of our motivations. And all the while, the Spirit of God will be guiding us and confronting us and comforting us, living in that tension. We've talked about several different tensions during this series. I just want to put them up on the screen here. These five different tensions that we've talked about. The tension between compassion and justice, between dying to ourselves that we might live, diversity versus unity. We've talked about the tension between weakness and power, and this morning about have to versus want to. I want to close with you right now and, and give you a moment to reflect on these tensions and invite the Spirit of God to speak to you about it and invite God to help you Say, well, which one of these tensions am I wrestling with today? Where is the tension for me? And what would God have me do in the midst of that tension? I want to invite you to be like King David in the Old Testament when he said, God, search my heart and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's invite God to help us see our hearts, help to see the tensions, and let's engage with them together. So I want to invite the worship team to come up. They're going to lead us in a couple songs. And as they're coming up here, I want to invite you to, to pray with me. And maybe you want to keep your eyes open to look at these tensions on the screen. Um, but let's talk to God together about them. Father, we thank you for this time with you and with your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you offer to us every day. We thank you for your love that we don't deserve. We sang about it this morning, Father, this love that we, we, we don't deserve and a love that doesn't leave us as we are that you invite us into something deeper, something greater, transformation. And so, Father, as we experience these tensions in our lives, the want to and the have to, the not yet and the waiting for, and Lord, as we experience these tensions, would you meet us in them? Would you bring your grace and your truth into these, these challenging conversations that we have with ourselves and with others? Would you meet us in the tension, Lord, and help us to grow deeper in you, to know that there's some of these tensions that will never be resolved, 
that we will live in them as long as we are on this earth and until we're completed in heaven. And as we wait, Lord, would you help us to trust you with our whole hearts, to place ourselves in you every day. Continue to purify us and refine us, Father God. Transform us. Create in us that, that new life. You, you've said that we are new creations, Lord. We long for that. We want that. Would you help us to live it out? And we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Jesus, thank you for being our example, for enduring the cross because of the joy. We ask for that ourselves, Lord. And pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite our uh, prayer volunteers to come up at this time. Those of you who have said you'll pray with others every Sunday, we have our volunteers up front to pray with you and encourage you. If you're having a hard time, you know, holding on to that truth, that God's never going to let you go, he's never going to let you down, maybe you can come up, let us pray with you this morning, remind you that he is faithful, he is good, he is with you. Next Sunday, we're going to start a new series about our spiritual habits, our spiritual practices, the ways that we can follow Jesus and uh, the truth that, that God doesn't want us to try to be like Jesus. God wants us to train ourselves to be like Jesus, to engage in activities that will stretch us. So we're going to start that next week. As you go now, might you know God's grace and mercy in your life. Might you go and shine his light into your family, your neighborhood, and we'll see you next Sunday. Go with God. Amen.